Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golik and Smitty. I'm Mike Golik. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to another edition of Golik and Smitty. I'm Mike Golik Sr. She is Jess Smetana, and we have finished week two in the NFL. It is in the books. A lot of college great games to get to uh, a little bit later in this show but just week two is over, and we finished with two games on Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. just trying to quench the thirst of the football fan out there. Uh, New Orleans at Carolina, Cleveland at Pittsburgh, and we got two crap games. I mean, oh, my God. At least it's football. I guess that's glass half full that we can say that. And we might as well start with uh, – because there's one good thing in the other game that we can talk about as Notre Dame grads will get to. But in the <laughs> Cleveland-Pittsburgh game – Wow. And I know Pittsburgh is your team. Defense, stud-like, complete reason they won. Offense, waiting to take that next step with Kenny Pickett in his second year, having George Pickens as a receiver. They hooked up on one really nice play. Other than that, just this offense is awful. Mike, it's so bad. It was so bad that the fans at the stadium were chanting, fire Matt Canada. Loudly, audibly, during this game, they were just an abomination, truly. Um, You said at least it's football. I'm not sure if that's true. I'm not sure (laughs) if what the offense was doing was football. I saw a statistic that um, I, I, last night, as I was going to bed, this is like first Monday night football game I've stayed up to finish the end of, by the way. So pat myself on the back for that. (laughs) Um, The Steelers had, they were trailing going into the fourth quarter negative seven yards total yards in the fourth quarter won the game according to true sport media that's the first time that's happened this century like their offense was so bad negative yardage they won the game because of the defense because of alex highsmith and tj watt uh bail out the offense yet again but it was it was hard to watch it was bad kenny pickett looked bad the offensive play calling was bad the third down when you have like a third and one and a half to ice the game you just need a first down here and they call this like weird quarterback keeper it made no sense they had a two-point conversion that they missed on an awful play call Najee Harris fumbled it on the goal line Mike it was more of the same because this has been the story of Pittsburgh's offense now for years they cannot get a good offensive coordinator in here and play complimentary football with a defense that is winning them games it's so pathetic it's amazing to hear the chants usually are for players or the booing of players. They're chanting 
to fire Matt Canada. I mean, now I covered him in college when he was, you know, the big hotshot offensive coordinator. And one thing I'll say about him, how to put it nicely, he's very sure of himself mm. and his abilities mm. as an offensive coordinator. I'm not sure and, about them. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of people are thinking that right now. His first pro gigs, because he was a college guy, including being the interim head coach at Maryland for a bit. Um, and then his first NFL gig was the Steelers in 20 as the quarterback coach. And now I've uh, been a few couple of years as the uh, offensive coordinator. I have their game next week when I call for Westwood one, when they take on uh, the Raiders. Four now years. the Raiders don't have the defense Pittsburgh has. So let's see if Pittsburgh can do a little more or, or the Raiders don't have the defense. I should say that the Browns have. So let's see if Pittsburgh can do a little more offensively, but right now this is supposed to be the next step for a Kenny Pickett to say, to show he's your quarterback to say, now we have a quarterback on a rookie contract. We can start building around him, but the issue, yeah, may be more up in the booth than on the field at this point. I think it's probably a little bit of both. Like I, I think I know it's hard to change coordinators when you have a rookie quarterback. And last year would have been the time that I said, make the exception, like bring some new people in here. Like Kenny Pickett was a first round pick. Najee Harris was a first round pick. Uh, you're investing in your offense in draft capital, but like you're not doing anything with them while you're wasting all this incredible talent on the defense. TJ Watt last night broke the franchise sack record, uh, passing James Harrison, did it in fewer games. And you have all these studs on defense. You have Minka Fitzpatrick, who got hurt last night. There are also, this game, so many injuries. We'll talk about the Browns yeah. in a second and Nick yeah. Chubb, because that was awful to oh. see. But they, they've got Cam Hayward. Like, they have all these studs on defense, Mike. And it has just been years. This is years now of, of pain and misery of watching the Steelers' offense not finish in the top of the league in any offensive metric. It is just bad. You know, and, and so let's give the defense their due. First play of the game, kind of a miscommunication on a route with two receivers by one another. Uh, the receiver kind of stops for the ball and has to reach uh, on just a, a quick out and goes off his hands, bounces off another player. Next thing you know, Alex Highsmith is running into the end zone, defensive touchdown. Then with uh, uh, Pittsburgh down 22-19, about seven minutes left in the game, Alex Highsmith gets a clean, great rush on the left tackle. And, and strip sack for Deshaun Watson. T.J. Watt scoops it and scores. So now they're up 26-22 uh, and hang on for the win in this one. So this absolutely a defensive-led team. And looking at the Cleveland side of it, this is the 20th Pittsburgh home regular season win over Cleveland. 20th yeah. straight home regular season win for Pittsburgh over Cleveland. This is the 27th season for the Cleveland Browns not starting 2-0. So they have a lot of trouble uh, getting out of the gates. And uh, for an offense, Jess, as we lead into this horrific injury, this was an offense that's been led by Nick Chubb, right? They've been trying to find that quarterback, and then mm -hmm. they get Deshaun Watson, but he's got to sit the whole most of the year, plays at the end, looks rusty, looks bad. So Kevin Stefanski has got to decide, okay, let's make this a Deshaun Watson offense going into this year. We have Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the league. If we if we don't have to rely on him all the time, but all of a sudden it's running through Deshaun and we still have Nick Chubb, just think how strong it's going to make this offense. Well, two games in, you still can't count on Deshaun Watson. He doesn't look like the top five quarterback he was in Houston. Now, we'll, we'll give it more time and see. But they lost the guy, the glue, 
the absolute glue to that offense and one of the best running backs in the league to a, a horrifically gruesome injury that immediately uh, Troy Aikman and, and Joe Buck said, we can't show this again. And of course it comes out on Twitter, yeah. you know, people get oh, views of it. it. And it was the, just the worst timing of somebody planting their leg right as a defender is hitting. In this case, it was Mika Fitzpatrick, no dirty hit, nothing like that. But right as he's going down low, right when the leg is planting and just knee is going ways it shouldn't go. And he basically blew everything out of it. He did this in 2015 when he was at Georgia as well and has come back to be one of the great running backs in the league. For this to happen now, Jess, if Deshaun doesn't get back to form and Ford, who came in for him, did have over 100 yards. Yeah. Um, but that he was that offense. He was he was the fulcrum of that offense. So now even more is going to be heaped on Deshaun Watson's shoulders. So you did not think it was a dirty hit by no. Fitzpatrick because I did. I know you're. Uh, you tend to defend defenders as a former defensive guy, but I did <laughs> yeah. see like it's a low tackle. The players, you, it, but it's Nick Chubb. Like you, if you tackle him high, he's probably not going to go down. But exactly. I, I was curious what you thought about that. No, listen, Nick Chubb's a big back. And he's going to run over people. And you, I, I do, you got to take him out low, you know, because you can't, you certainly can't put your head down and hit him in the head. Now he's not a defenseless player. He's a running back, but you still, if you're a defender, can't lead the, with the crown. So a lot of times you'll go low and you'll hear receivers all the time. Uh, they, they would rather DBs go high on them and hit them in the head than go low and hit him in the mm -hmm. knee. Uh, but because of the rules in today's game of staying away from the head, this is more receiver and defenseless. They're going to go low. But no, I don't blame Mika Fitzpatrick for tackling. He tried to if he tried to meet him with a with a chest tackle or a shoulder tackle, he's going to get run through by Nick yeah. Chubb. So I I get it. Uh, no malicious intent. No no dirty play intended at, at all. I don't think in this one. But now the bottom line is he is done at least for this year. What are they going to do? Cam Akers for the Rams is, again, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, not in good standing with Sean McVay. Do they trade for him? Do they trade for Jonathan Taylor, maybe, who is at odds in Indianapolis and on the pup list, missing time there? Do they bring back Kareem Hunt? Remember, it was Kareem Hunt in the backfield with Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt's a free agent. Do they bring mm -hmm. him back? That would be the cheapest way. You wouldn't have to trade and give up any assets for it. But they're going to have to do something now, Jess, because it's another team that's going to rely on their defense when the hope was the offense was going to be better than it was. But but as of right now, they haven't shown it. Yeah, and like Deshaun Watson looked bad. He didn't play well. He was inaccurate. He got sacked six times. He fumbled. Um, he threw a pick, like you said, at the beginning of the game. And it's fair to question – if you know we've already talked about the morality of his signing in in detail for the last year but yeah. he sat out for a year in Houston missed 13 games last year because of the sexual misconduct suspension from the NFL now he's back this is the first time he's like starting a season now in a couple years and he's looked really bad and the Browns gave up a lot to get this guy knowing all of the things that they knew about the accusations against him. They gave him 230 million guaranteed dollars to play for him. Uh, and I can't imagine right now that they're thinking it was worth it. Um, and, and I'm sure they only care about it in terms of how he's playing football and, and nothing else, but yeah, it, it was the first time I've seen him play a full game in prime time and he didn't look good. The Browns offense looked a lot worse after Chubb went out. Like you said, Jerome Ford still ended up with 106 yards on yeah. 16 carries. Um, the Steelers run defense has been an issue for a couple of years. So that, that also 
didn't surprise me. Um, but really ugly game. The the Panthers Saints game was not yeah. much better, but uh, we got we were blessed with two Monday Night Football doubleheader game. I, I don't know why there was apparently it was like some experiment ESPN and ABC were running um, to see if they could program two games back to back like this. What now that they have this new NFL deal? Um, so far, Mike, not not so good. Just give me no, one not good, so good game. I don't need two bad games. Yeah, and, and we, we, they did this a while ago. Me and Greeny called a couple of Monday night games. We would call the later game, which would be a West Coast game. It was like, would start at like uh, 10 yeah, Eastern. Yeah, like 10 o'clock, yeah. Yeah, yeah, th- this was only an hour apart. And in that game, New Orleans wins 20 to 17. New Orleans, uh, of the two games last night, three really good to great defenses, right? Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and New Orleans uh, with defenses. Carolina uh, was down 20 to what, nine. With a, they scored with about a minute to go, got the two-point conversion to make it 27, uh, 20 to 17, make it look closer, didn't get the onside kick. And that was the end of the game. Uh, in this one, the one surprising thing to me, Jess, is Carolina's got a ways to go, right? They have their young quarterback in Bryce mm-hmm. Young. Uh, not a lot of great weapons around them. The defense is okay. So they're they're in for a long year, but we knew that. For New Orleans, by the way, a division that the winner last year of that division, Tampa Bay, had a losing record. Three right. of the NFC South teams are 2-0. Uh, who would I mean, have thought? <laughs> who would have thought that, especially with Tampa Bay? But Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and New Orleans, all 2-0. I would have thought the New Orleans offense, you know, you, you have Carr. You don't have Kamara yet. Uh, he's mm-hmm. still under suspension. Michael Thomas is back. Uh, Olave is turning out to be an excellent pickup for them oh, yeah. uh, as well. Great so that great. offense, I thought, would be a little more high-flying. Their defense is going to uh, be leaned on there. I think the biggest thing out of this one, Jess, is the fact that there were 20 points. This shouldn't read New Orleans 20-17 to 17 over Carolina. It should read Notre Dame. 20 to 17 over Carolina. <laughs> Tony Jones Jr. in for Jamal Williams, who got hurt, scored two touchdowns. So that's 12 points, right? Blake yeah. Groupie kicked a couple of field goals and the extra points on the touchdown. Tony Jones did touchdowns. So he had eight points. So Blake Groupie yeah. had eight points and uh, Tony Jones had 12 points. So Notre Dame scored 20 there points in this game. How about Mike, that? That is a great, I love this st- anecdote about Blake Groupie getting stopped by security because he's such yes. like a small guy. They were like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm the kicker. What What do you mean? Um, that was great. But yeah, the, the first half of this game, Mike, if I could read to you uh, the play-by-play, punt, field goal, field goal, punt, field goal, punt, 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 interception, fumble, punt, end of half. That, that was what oh. we were working with last night. <laughs> wow. So, so I guess like a big 10 game, I guess, do we say how they say any publicity is good publicity? Is it any football is, is at least it's football or are we going to uh, say, my God, this was dreck. Is it like the, the good pizza is like good sex anecdote. Like it, it doesn't matter. I don't even know. I don't, I'm, I'm t- Mike, I'm terrible at idioms and phrases and sayings. <laughs> so is bad football still better than no football? no football? I would say yes. Yes. Just like bad pizza is better than no pizza. Yes. Um, but like, would I have stayed up late to watch the end of the Steelers Brown ga- Browns game if I wasn't a Steelers fan? I'm not sure. After that play in the first half where the players were bobbling the ball around and it was oh. just... Gunnar uh, Olszewski got like hit, got a concussion. He's out now. That was so, it was, what, what Mike was that? I don't know. You know, the bottom line is what Mike Tomlin said. And and I love Mike Tomlin. I mean, he is, he is just phenomenal. 
And he said, I'll never apologize for a win. It was an ugly win, but you don't apologize for a win at that level. You take the win and you move on. Uh, and and that's what you do. Quote. So, you know, as far as those teams, as I mentioned, Steelers uh, go to Vegas uh, and the Cleveland Browns are home to the Tennessee Titans. So uh, we will see where that goes. We have much more NFL. We have the Sunday games uh, to talk about as well. And a monster, monster college football weekend coming up next. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. We have Dan Wetzel here joining us from Yahoo Sports. He's also the co-host of the College Football Inquirer podcast, which I am a fan of. I listen to it every week. This week, the big topic, Mike, uh, we all, I can't say I saw it coming, that the game of week three would be Colorado, Colorado State. Yeah. But I want to know what Dan thought about this huge matchup at 10 o'clock at Colorado, rivalry game, ended up being one of the most bananas college football games of week three. It was ever, I mean, it was everything. I don't know if you've seen the ratings on this, but it was yeah. the most watched game of the week. 9.3 million people watched, uh, which is a huge number for college football. Usually only about six or seven regular season games get over 10 million viewers in college football. And the, the peak is like Ohio State, Michigan last year got 17 million. So 9.7 million is a top 10, top eight, rating for the whole year this is between a team that went one and 11 last year and has no tradition and a mountain west team okay that is Deion sanders effect he's got the rock in in the <laughs> pregame speech and his mom he's got a little wayne walking him out he's got celebrities everywhere and then it is this wild game a dirty game a yeah. intense game shador sanders is so exciting they had more people watching over 7 million people were watching at the end of the game at two in the morning, Eastern time than any other game played the whole day by any other team. Colorado is the biggest thing to hit college football in years. We've never seen a program in three games command this much attention viewership, controversy, excitement, whatever. Uh, it is an incredible situation, and their games are really fun to watch so far. And, well, so far, and, and as you we're going to get into that because they yeah. take on Oregon and USC back-to-back. -back. They're already, I think, like 21 or 24-point dogs mm -hmm. in this game. But this is all primetime, right? I mean, this, yep. this is Dion. He is, he is electrifying as he was on the field. He's this way, you know behind the scenes. Well, I guess he's never really behind the scenes. He's always front and center. And I think a lot of people don't like him, Dan, because of the way he does it with as much bravado. I'm bringing my own luggage and it's Louie and, you know, and, and just people aren't used to that. He doesn't give you the normal coach speak, but the way I look at it is as the only people that matter are the people in that locker room that buy into what he's selling and put it into practical application on the field for it to be successful. Absolutely. Some people love him. Some people don't. You like this, Mike, or maybe not. He, this is the new Notre Dame. This is yeah. the old school Notre Dame. We love them or we hate them. We're going to do it our way. Deal with us. 
this is coach prime's done it in three weeks if there's seven eight million people watching in the middle of the night to see whether they win or lose yeah this is the biggest thing going um and he's just getting started they're three games in and w- again we'll get to the the three touchdown underdog but as they should be. They just lost Travis Hunter for the next three, yeah. four games. That's losing two starters. That's yeah. not just one guy. You lose your second or third best receiver and your best cover man. So you have all of this. I, I want to see what happens in the years to come. He, I'll, I'll give you a story. The number one junior recruit in America, class of 2020, high school junior, is a quarterback from Belleville, Michigan, outside of Detroit, named Bryce Underwood. Bryce Underwood has been being recruited by everyone for years. He's got Michigan, LSU, and Alabama as kind of his favorites um, at this point. Colorado beats TCU on Memorial Day weekend, and three days later, Deion Sanders calls Bryce Underwood, and Bryce Underwood and his father are at the Colorado State game. He is involved with any recruit he wants in America, and that doesn't even count what he's going to do in the transfer portal this uh, this offseason. I would expect flips of five-star recruits. He had this weekend. Again, this is the third game. He had recruits who are committed to Alabama, Tennessee, and Oregon all on that sideline, plus all these other kids. He is going to clean up. There is no way that kids aren't looking and parents aren't looking and saying, "I that looks like the most fun thing I've ever seen. I like his attitude. I like his old-school coaching ways. I like the whole bit. He's on 60 Minutes on Sunday. I mean, he is a whole nother level of recruiting and all this. What he's going to do this year is, is already been amazing. This yeah. is one of the worst. He, they weren't just one and 11 last year. Their 11 losses were by 32 and a half points a game on average. They got crushed in every single game other than the easiest game they had all season. He's turned the entire program around and getting going. What, what happens when he starts adding depth? when he's not just grabbing 50 kids out of the transfer portal, but it's selecting 20. What is when his recruits all start turning and saying, Hey, I want to be part of this, this uh, coach prime show. Um, enormous potential going forward for this. Again, I, this is the biggest show since the, the old P Carroll, Reggie Bush, Matt liner, USC teams, but it's quicker. And, and because of social media and everything, I think it's even bigger. They, yeah, not because- as big successfully, but bigger yeah. in terms of the hype. Yeah. Yeah, and Dion's already a star. He's already a celebrity that people know. He has name recognition. He has fame. He has all of those things. You mentioned they they were one and eleven last year. Colorado State was three and nine last year. So between these two teams, not even bowl eligible, and yet pulled an enormous rating. And I I know that they're playing their toughest opponents coming up. They have all this conference play. The Pac-12 is stacked this year, but. I'm I'm at the point now where I don't think it matters if they get blown out the next two games in a row and end up finishing the season with like a, a decent but not amazing record. I don't know if it matters because of all of the reasons you just said. This is if he wants to stay there and build up this program and win a national championship, I am no longer going to doubt the methods and ways in which he can do that. Yeah, these next few weeks are going to be, you know, they don't have a pass rush, right? You can right. see that against right. Colorado State. Well, what happens when it's Caleb Williams, Bo yep. Nix this weekend, Caleb Williams the next sitting back there? They don't, you know, they, they, this is a, it still takes time <laughs> as good as they've been. But I agree. I think the attention is there and the momentum is there. I, I was one of the people that were like a lot. Hey, he's going to go to Colorado. If he's successful, he's going to jump back to the SEC. He's going to jump to the Big Ten or something like probably the SEC or maybe, maybe, ACC are the right job. Someone's going to pay him. He's bigger than any program. 
He doesn't need to be at Alabama to recruit. He doesn't need to be at LSU or Florida State to recruit. He just—he doesn't even recruit like other guys. He's not flying around on Friday night, standing on the side of some high school football field somewhere. He's just like, you come to me. I'm Coach Prime, and the, and they're all coming. Like the TV rating this weekend. If they got nine million people to watch Colorado State, yeah, this thing's at three thirty against yep. Oregon. It's going to go way over ten million. And what even if they win or lose, but if it's even close, USC the following week could be the biggest game of the entire year. This is absolutely incredible. He's three games into his thing, and he's just captured America's imagination. Um, I don't think he ever has to leave Colorado. I don't know if he will or won't. He's good. Deion Sanders could do whatever Deion Sanders wants, but um, I, I don't think it's out of the question. And in, in, in a couple of years, as he builds up, gets gets some depth fill some gaps, you know, why isn't this a, a a national championship contender in Boulder, Colorado? And along those lines, he said he doesn't want to coach in the NFL. Now, who right. knows if he means that or not, but it seems this style is more for the 18 to 22 year old. And he said, how am I going to motivate guys making that much money and stuff? So we'll leave that for another day. Let's, let's let him do what he's doing now. And think about it. We have six ranked ranked games, including them in Oregon and also Florida State and Clemson playing as well. But back to back, you got that 330 game and then Notre Dame is at 730. I mean, it is what what a day of college football. Let me ask you, though, Dan, an, an overall question about college football that Dion brought up. But this is a broad question. Dion said it's going to be harder for 18 year olds to get scholarships, you know, 20, 25 scholarship players on these power five teams, because teams are going to start using the portal more. You only, you still only have 85 scholarships. They haven't upped that. If you're bringing in, and I don't mean like the 86 portal guys he brought brought in, but if teams start bringing in more second, third, fourth year guys who already have college experience, who are ready to play right away, if they do that more, that's less space for the 18 year old four and five stars three stars, whatever coming out of high school. Do you, do you buy into that? It's a, yeah, it's a hundred percent. It's a, it's a, a numbers game. They're also still dealing with the 60 year COVID. The kids have got a, a 60 year cause of COVID. So there's a little bit of a log jam um, on this, but yeah, if you're, if you're any top program uh, and it's not just Colorado, you see it with Michigan, Michigan got really good when the transfer portal opened up because Jim Harbaugh, his theory is get old and stay old. And when you're recruiting 21 year olds, kids that have done well at whatever school, it could be a mid pack of, of a power five. It could be a, a, a group of five program. It could be whatever. It's different than recruiting 17 year olds. 17 year olds want to be close to mom and dad, or, or they want to connect with their coach or they're, they're wowed by the stadium or, or the fight song or the colors or all that stuff. When you're all of a sudden looking at a 21 year old, it's how do I get to the league? How do I, what, right. what kind of, you know, what kind of grad program do you have? What there's, it's a different recruitment. People are different at 17 and 21. They're looking at the world differently. And so certain programs are having a boon off of this and Michigan being one Colorado's obviously going to grab a lot of guys, but if you're sitting there saying, look, we want, we need to bring in uh 25, 30 kids this year, uh, which generally, you know, you have, you have some attrition. Most recruiting classes are right. about 25 players. Uh, even though you only have 85 scholarships, you would say you want to bring in 30 kids. Now, more kids are leaving because they they can't make it. You made a made a wrong call, 
But if you're bringing in 25, why would you just say, I'm going to bring in 15 high school kids that I think are going to play or develop or get there or local kids that want to be part of my program. And then I'm going to pick off 10 more that I think are going to work. And, and we're spending, you see programs spending as much time scouting other teams, scouting the mid American right. conference, scouting the Sun Belt, scouting division two, uh, Florida state's one of the top linemen came from the university of, uh, of Albany. I'm sorry, <laughs> university of Albany. Um, you're, you're going that route. So there's a backlog down. And so five stars show they're going to get their spots, four stars. They're going to get their spots. Right. Three and two spars are going to have to prove it. And, and uh, there's just going to be less spots. Some are going to have to go D2. Some are going to have to go lower than they would have thought, but show me what you got. And you also have a chance to, in a couple of years to be playing at the, at the highest level. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So in the context of NIL and you, you're mentioning that like certain programs are doing really well with it, but certainly certain programs are also losing the NIL portal battles. Um, maybe Alabama fits somewhere in there. How much do you attribute their struggles this year to changes in the coaching staff versus Saban not being able to adapt to other programs now being able to attract those recruits uh, versus maybe something else entirely? They they have plenty of talent at Alabama. We're not going to shed too many tears for um, yeah. <laughs> Crimson Tide. They have more. They uh, by there's there's different metrics on this, but they actually may by by like certain recruiting metrics, they have the the most talented team. They're ever. like the top five talent composite team ever. And, right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. them and Texas A and M. But yeah, that's another. But story. their problem is they don't have a quarterback. Right. Right. And <laughs> he did try to solve that. He brought in Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame, which was sort of a white, it was sort of the, the flare, like the call is coming from inside the building. This is a problem because uh, Tyler Buckner wasn't exactly set in the world. Notre Dame had replaced Tyler Buckner with Sam Hartman. So um, they don't have a quarterback, but they are, they, they, they don't, I think the, the, the coaching is an issue. Um, I think he had a run of Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungvaloa, Mac Jones, Bryce Young. That's a pretty epic run of four quarterbacks uh that's one eighth of the starting quarterbacks in the nfl right now and there's those guys solve a lot of problems right they win you games he doesn't have that right now um neither does clemson they had deshaun watson and trevor lawrence they made up for a lot of little mistakes and they don't have that kind of quarterback uh one of the things the transfer portal has done is increase the parity in the sport because these quarterbacks there's there's more very good quarterbacks than ever before. These kids are trained uh, at a young age. They have quarterback specialists. They play seven on seven. There's more skilled quarterbacks. And rather than sit on a bench somewhere, they will go find a place to play. The Pac-12 has eight ranked teams this year. Of their 12 schools in the Pac-12, 10 of them are starting transfers. Everybody's a transfer except um, Dante Moore, Actually, I don't even know what Arizona State now because Jaden Rashada might have gotten hurt. I think he's out yeah. or hurt. Drew whatever. Pine played and Drew Pine's benched. a transfer. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. whatever. Whatever's happening there, 
Uh, I don't think anyone too worried not about good. it. No. What? They lost to uh, Fresno State like 29 to zero, I think. Yeah. Year. Yeah. They got crushed. Yeah. Dante Moore is the only traditional player. He's a true freshman. And he's a freshman. UCLA. Yeah. He's a true freshman. Everybody else is a transfer. Caleb Williams, Penix, uh, just the whole crew. Bo Nix, everybody's a transfer. So these guys are finding their right spots. And again, kind of what I said earlier, you're not 17 anymore. You're saying, hey, where's a good fit for me? And boom, there is way more. I, I, I thought transfer portal would be a net neutral. The coaches screamed it would be the worst thing to ever happen to this sport. It's turning out to be one of the best things that's ever happened to the sport. The SEC cannot just hold all these recruits. These kids are going everywhere. And there's more parity in college football this season than in a long, long time. Uh, everything that was predicted it would be bad has turned out to good. Coaches have a horrible record of, of screaming the sky's falling. This is one of their worst calls right now because this season is really exciting because players are all over the place. So we have six ranked rank Oregon, Colorado, UCLA, Utah, Mississippi, Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State. And the battle for uh, supremacy in the Pac-12 of two, Oregon State against yeah. Washington State. The Tupac. The, the Tupac. The two, yeah. There you go. The Tupac. The Tupac yes. Bowl. Yeah, Tupac Who, Who's going to be top of the Tupac? So which of those games, I know where Jess and I are going to lean, being Notre Dame grads, but which well, of those we'll, we'll games? We'll be at the do, game, Mike. Do, yes, we will. <laughs> do you see as the, the big game and a potential upset game of, of the ranks? There's uh, no question, Ohio State. Notre Dame is the game of the weekend. Uh, and it's it's kind of amazing how much attention Deion Sanders, the Pac-12's rise, and the SEC struggles have taken away. Like, this was a game you circled years in advance. This is Ohio State at Notre Dame, and it is an amazing game. All right. Uh, Sam Hartman, to me, has changed the dynamic for Notre Dame. They have, uh, Mike, you, I mean, you, you, or both of you would be good examples. Well, we were, we were trying, on our podcast, we were trying to figure out when who's the best Notre Dame quarterback since Sam Hartman. Oh. And you can make a case. It was, it was Montana. Yeah. Okay. Now yeah. it's only a few games in, but right, we'll see. Right. They haven't had a guy like this. So now you have this unbelievable opportunity for Marcus Freeman, where it's not, I have to spring an upset over Ohio state, which generally speaking is going to be more talented than Notre Dame and may still be, but boy, that gap is a lot closer. And the chances of winning that game are a lot better for, for Notre Dame than I would have predicted before Sam Hartman got off this start and reminded us how good he is. If he's as good as he has looked, they're going to have the advantage at the most important position on the field besides being at home and all that. And if Marcus Freeman could pull this win off, it sets him up as, oh, this is going to be the Notre Dame coach for a long time. This guy is going to be established with a huge, huge win. He, he rebounded last year. He, he recruits well, he handles himself. Well, uh, obviously I think everybody likes Marcus. He's a people person, but this could really set him up going forward in terms of recruiting and momentum of the program and the whole thing. This is an incredible opportunity. And at the same time, Ryan day wins virtually every single game he plays except against Michigan, but because he's losing to Michigan, there's a segment of Ohio state fans that are not happy with him. And losing to Notre Dame, even at Notre Dame, even against this great quarterback, would not go over well. So there is enormous pressure on this game for both programs or opportunity or pressure, however you want to look at it, beyond just, hey, it's number six playing number nine. You need to win this thing to maybe get in a playoff. I, I think it's going to be an 
unbelievable scene, as you guys know better than I. South Bend is always great. Knight, the Dome, these two big brands. It is an, This is one of the best games of the year. His name is Dan Wetzel. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Wetzel. Uh, we have a minute or so left with you. Can you can you give us any good predictions for this weekend? Like any any upset picks? Like you said, there's six ranked teams playing against each other. I think the first time that's happened in over a decade. Um, also off the top of my head, I don't know. Jimmy Clausen was pretty good. Brady Quinn was pretty good. Uh, I don't know if you'd put them ahead of Sam we'll Hartman, see. but we'll, I guess we'll see. It's yeah. been, yeah. It's we'll been see. four games. It's quite an argument. I'll put it yeah. that way. You, okay. you go, wait a minute. It can't be Montana, but then you're like, okay, we'll see. Um, do, you, do you like any of the other games though for an upset? I, I'm fascinated about Old Miss at Alabama. Yeah. Um, and look, it, if you look at what the teams have done, Old Miss should be favored. Okay. I mean, like if yes. you just look at what's been done. They beat a really good Tulane team at Tulane. They, they, they handle Georgia tech. They're, they're, they're playing well. They've got their, their quarterback position is fine. The offense is rolling the whole thing. Alabama has looked uh, not looked horrible against South Florida and got beat by double digits at home by Texas. Um, obviously it's Alabama. Obviously the numbers are going to go to Alabama. It's terrifying as uh, to bet against Alabama at home. Uh, but <laughs> You look at it and go, well, why isn't Ole Miss the better team here? So um, if you if you can ignore the laundry, it's pretty interesting. I, Lane Kiffin is poking the bear. Yeah. He, is, he is trolling Nick Saban. He's doing everything. Else. So that game uh, will be very fascinating. I also want to see what Dante Moore and UCLA can do at Utah. I think that's a really interesting uh, potential game there, too. Oh, Dan, we, we really appreciate your time. Uh, great info, great stuff. Let's all enjoy the uh, Saturday games. Anytime. Have me on anytime. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Thank Dan. you so much. All right, Jess, great info out of Dan. And uh, this this Notre Dame-Ohio State game, I mean, again, backed up from the Oregon-Colorado game, then into Notre Dame-Ohio State with all the other ranked ranks sprinkled in around it is a great time for college football. But we, we both know where the two of us are going to be really focusing. And, and Notre Dame, I think, does have a great opportunity here. It's kind of flipped from last year. Mm -hmm. Ohio State had an established quarterback who was an excellent quarterback. Uh, and Notre Dame, you know, started Tyler Buckner. Then he goes down and you have a backup in there. This time around, we have the established quarterback. And Ohio State has a kid in Kyle McCord who's a starter but hasn't had a lot of playing time and has got a, a few games under his belt. Uh, but they come in with the more experienced quarterback. The biggest number for me in this matchup is the number zero. And that's the number of interceptions Sam Hartman has thrown. 13 touchdowns is great, but no interceptions. Against teams like this, and we talked about the big three, Ohio State, uh, USC, Clemson, that we're playing, you can't turn the ball over, and that's something Sam has not done yet. Yeah, I'm. I look, I'm – I'm excited, but I am nervous. I think having an advantage at the quarterback position, guess what? That's the, that's where you want the advantage. That's the best position yeah. to have the better player at. And like you said, Tyler Buckner versus CJ Stroud last year in the opener, no question. CJ Stroud's more talented. Um, but then when you look at kind of the other position group breakdowns, Ohio state's got a, they've got a great wide receiver room. Notre Dame's got really good corners. Like we saw some of their, yeah you know, players in their secondary come alive last weekend against central Michigan, by the way, Mike, I want to mention the central Michigan, Notre Dame game was the, one of the worst officiated college football games yeah. I've ever watched in my entire life. They ruled a play, uh, went to the booth, 
changed it and then went to the booth and changed it again. again. Like I didn't, is there no like double jeopardy in college football? It was bizarre. I guess not. It was terrible, but I will say Notre Dame, like certain things yeah. concern me in the central Michigan game in the NC state game. Like the offensive line needs to play perfectly against Ohio state. Um, you can't let, you know, the other team's run game gash you as many times when you're in one of these games. So if they play a really good game, I think it's going to be super close. And like you said, having Sam Hartman makes all the difference in the world, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a tough one, no matter what. And then oh. Notre Dame has to go and play Duke the next weekend, who is going to be top 15 team. They're probably going to get game yep. day in Durham for the first time. That, that game just got moved to seven 30. That's a prime time game as well. Now I think on, on ABC, the Duke game, mm -hmm. but you're right. Central Michigan gashed Notre Dame right up the middle on the running game. I mean, that, that was, that was worrisome. North Carolina State got pressure on Sam Hartman. You know, he got knocked around a little bit. And one thing Ohio State, while they have Marvin Harrison Jr., the best wide receiver in the in the land on one side, they always have an excellent D-line and rushers. Mm -hmm. you're, you're talking about a couple of edge rushers they have who are going to be NFLers and our two tackles. Joe Alt will be a high first-rounder. and Blake Fisher will play in the league. you got four NFLers playing against one another. You got an excellent corner that we have in, in Benjamin Morrison, Cam Hart on the other side, and a couple, we're, we're pretty cornerback deep. So mm -hmm. how do they defense Marvin Harrison Jr. and the other receivers, which is going to be a big question. And one of the big ones, I think for me, Jess, is we got to get some pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. We have six sacks this year, but the pr need more pressure. Pressure has come from blitzes at times. So going to have to hurry up Kyle McCord as a quarterback and not give him time back there to pat the ball. Yeah. Uh, and the and pass see where rush is going to go. The Notre Dame pass rush and like the front seven on the defense definitely is a position group that's missing like an Isaiah Foskey or like an edge rusher guy this yep. year. Yep. Um, but Kyle McCord is going to be playing, you know, his first game in this kind yes. of road environment, road atmosphere. And Notre Dame will have to take advantage of that and make life difficult for him in the pocket and uh, make him uncomfortable. That's that's my key to the game, Mike. Make him super uncomfortable. Agreed. Agreed. Let him hit the ground a few times and feel that Notre Dame turf and see what happens. So let's let's go full circle all the way when we started with Dan on this and not back to, to Colorado so much as to the situation. Listen, the Colorado State defensive back, Henry Blackburn, it was a late bad hit on Travis Hunter. No yeah. doubt about it. It, it was it was it should have got it did get flagged. It should have got flagged. Uh, it was a bad hit. It was, and, and Colorado State had 18 penalties, I think, for 172 yards. Some of them unnecessary roughness. They were line step in this game. Some cheap shots, some late hits. Uh, their best their best player got tossed in overtime for burying Shadur Sanders uh, yeah. in the pocket after he just got a, a penalty before that as well. Um, but but for people to give Henry Blackburn and his family death threats, I mean, is just the epitome of, of sickness of yeah. these fans out here. I mean, I under and even. Even Travis Hunter has has said, gang, this is a game. I mean, please, what are we doing here? Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I mean, it is. And, and it was, listen, he, he, he was injured. He's going to miss a few weeks. No doubt about that. And there's no rule that says if it was uh, a penalty like it was, that that player has to miss as many weeks. There's no rule like that. So, so uh, Henry Blackburn is not missing any time because of it. And we know Travis Hunter is going to be out and that's going to hurt Colorado. But, you know, we see it when kickers miss a ball in, in college or something, that death threats. I mean, it just it's just ridiculous what these people do. 
I agree. It is so absurd. And the type of people that go and make physical threats of violence to college players ruin it for everyone else. Because now it's like, you can't just talk about like, oh, dirty play. You have to be like, like dirty play. And also don't do this. Like never do this. We saw videos of Alabama fans last week saying the most horrible slurs and racist commentary at Texas players. And it's like, guys, don't like, what are you doing? Why are you ruining the sport? This should not be like this. And I understand like for this Colorado state, Colorado team, it's a rivalry game. You're going to play hard. Uh, it's a, it was a really close game, but I couldn't agree with you more. Don't do it. The dirty hit. Yes. But also do not interact with college football players. If you are a fan ever, just don't do it. Say good game. If you walk past one on your way to class, don't, send people weird messages and death threats like just absolutely awful so uh great weekend uh college football coming up nfl is is always going to be there let's go outside the world of football jess and talk about something that hasn't happened in 15 races and i am here for it that's next all right i'm right at 4308 so we got uh just a little under seven minutes oh yeah perfect I have to hop off like right after that. So good timing. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll get going right away then. Cool. Uh, here we go. In three, two. All right, Jess. Obviously, there's always a lot of football to talk about. It's the most important sport out there. And I remember always getting into a conversation with, with Jay Billis, who would always be mad at us because we'd never start talking about college basketball until like Christmas time or after <laughs> Christmas, because yeah. you know, or even in the new year, because it was football time. And, uh, and even though college basketball had started, but you know, all the other sports become secondary, but there still are other sports down there. Baseball is getting close to the end of regular season and postseason. We'll start talking about that more as well. But uh, uh, Formula One is is going into the, the the latter part of their season, and it finally happened, Jess. And I believe I got the number right. It had been 15 straight races that Red Bull had won. And normally, when you say Red Bull, you're saying Max Verstappen, who's usually winning. But this time, not only did they not win in Singapore. They didn't even hit the podium. So mm-hmm. uh, for those that like a little more balance, and this at this point is really just a little more balance, I think it was a good day for F1. Yeah, well, the, the Red Bulls were off the entire weekend. Yeah. Neither of them were running uh, the pace that they normally are. And I think it showed how much parity there is with the rest of the pack that you had. The McLaren, the Ferrari, and the Mercedes all at the top of the pack fighting for those podium spots. It was really exciting. It kind of gave a glimpse at like what the season could have been like had Red Bull not run away with it and won all of those races. They run every single race this season, Sergio Perez or Max Verstappen. Um, in this one, they came in, Verstappen came in fifth, Perez came in eighth. But um, Mike, it was so nice to hear a different national anthem after the race for the first time listening to the spanish national anthem and not the dutch national anthem like i was (laughs) like wow what an amazing it was a great race there were safety cars there was like all sorts of like weird funky stuff going on and i had such low expectations because singapore is a street circuit and it's hard to overtake on street circuits but and it ended up being probably one of the better races of the season i'm I'm sure it's going to be hard to top um the saddest part of the race was uh george russell flipping the wall in the final lap he was like running in third place had a really good race clipped the wall out it was 
devastating for him. He was a DNF on the final lap. Uh, and Lewis Hamilton got the third podium spot behind Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris. But yeah, it was really fun. And now Formula One's heading to Japan next weekend. Verstappen's still going to lock it up. Like he's going to lock it up in the next couple of races. I'm sure they will rebound. I, I don't think they're going to continue to have these issues for the rest of the year. But um, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, my gosh, he only scored 10 points in this race. What the hell's wrong with him? <laughs> I mean, give, give me a break. I mean, <laughs> so is there anything to this is the start of something where Red Bull will get challenged more or are we looking at more at just a Red Bull having an off weekend? It's impossible to say for sure, but I don't think Red Bull is concerned that this is any sort of like issue that they're going to have consistently. They've described it as an issue with ri the ride height, you know, on a street circuit, you have to adjust the ride height uh, different to what you would on a, a more normal racetrack. And they were not able to set up the car the way that they needed to on the first day of the weekend. And so the entire weekend was off and they think they're going to be right back at the top of the pack in Japan next weekend. So I wouldn't really necessarily uh, look forward to seeing more Carlos Sainz podiums, but I think it is on the flip side of that, like Ferrari had a really great race, like Leclerc, I think his strategy got sacrificed a little bit for his teammate, but they didn't screw anything up. Like Carlos finished on pole and he won the race. That is, that never happens for Ferrari. Something bad always happens. So you can look at it as like these other three teams are doing really, really well. And like, they will certainly be challenging the Red Bulls in the future, but I still think the rest of the season, I, I don't, I don't expect Red Bull to be this far yeah. behind. At least we, this, we just, it happened to be Ferrari, but we were just, I know I was happy to see somebody other than Anyone. Red Bull. And yeah. then, like I said, not even on the podium at all. So uh, that was F1, as you said, they go on to Japan. Uh, but again, you know, we, it's football season and you're going to be in town this weekend, right? For the Notre Dame game. I am. I can't, oh. I can't wait. Do you have a green shirt? Are you wearing I, green this I weekend? have I have plenty of green shirts. Yes. Okay. Uh the Notre Dame, for those that may not know, some may not care. Notre Dame will be wearing uh, green uniforms. And if you don't care, tough. We're gonna talk about it anyway. <laughs> I love my brother Bob. My brother Bob was an all-American here back in the 70s. He texts me, I, I think like two days ago, and he's like, Hey, you have any tickets uh, for the game? I'm thinking of coming out. I'm like, are you serious? I said, do you understand the gravity of this game? And yeah. Oh, you know what? Let me open this drawer. I got a couple yeah, just of just have some leftovers. Around. Yeah. Right. It hasn't been something that like, you know, people have been planning out for a few months now. Cause it's, you know, the biggest home game of the season, but this sure. is what he does. Cause he's into more the news radio. Now he's not into the sports uh -huh. radio anymore, but doing that for close to a couple of decades. So I think he's lost sight of yeah, you kind of got to have your business taken care of mm -hmm. uh, before you come out here, which obviously, as we end this thing, leads me to you're going to be out here. You're going to be in the same neck of the woods as me. What are we eating? Are you tailgating at all? Well, I'm wondering where you're tailgating because you'll probably make something for that tailgate, mm, which I'm okay. going to go to that tailgate. Okay, I see. I see what you, you see mean. where I'm working. I here? am tailgating. I will text you my tailgate location. You can ride your golf cart over to it and I'll give you a little piece of whatever I bake Friday. Are you going to really give me the right location or is this going to be like you hand out the wrong no, phone I'll, number? No, I'll give you the poll number. You can come find me, Mike. Okay. All right. I look forward to that very much. Thank you. See you there.